Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are tuned in to the Abundance Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. Please feel free to call in to our show today. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, please call 718-508-9600. Again, that's 718-508-9600. I'm your host today, Gregory Turner of Abundant Solutions Enterprises, and I welcome you to our show. I think our show is going to be a great one today. Matter of fact, I know it will. We have our co-host who will be with us shortly. Her name is Terry. Terry Brock from the great state of Texas. Terry is the president and CEO of Power Behind the Dream. And Terry, like I said, Terry will be with us shortly. We also have a mighty woman of God who's going to be joining us in the next couple of seconds. And her name is Denisha Jackson. Denisha, are you there? Yes, Denisha, are you there? Yes, I am. Can All you right, hear me? Denisha, how are Hi. you? I'm good. How are you, Greg? I'm doing good. I'm sorry. There were some technical difficulties on my part on that. Today, you know, I'm so excited, Denisha, about today's show because I believe our topic will touch all of our listeners today that are listening. And the reason I say that is, you know, I was just I was just speaking in the county jail on yesterday, mm. and I was talking to the guys, and all of the guys have different scenarios on how to deal with life situations and issues and things and when they happen. And what stood out to me and what came to me was, what do you believe? Mm. And that's today's topic. What do you believe? And wow. a lot of a lot of what the guys were saying was they dealt with the situation based on what they knew. That's how they made decisions. That's how when they were faced with life situations, sometimes they didn't understand what was going on, but that's how they felt that they had to, uh, that, that was their answer. Basically, I, I asked them, I said, well, are you talking about the foundation that was built for you? Are you talking about the life that you've lived so far to now, or are you talking about just watching someone else? And the guys were saying, it's what I saw. I, I do what I know, and that's just what I believe. I said, well, how is it that you deal with a situation that you've never been in before? How do you deal with that? He said, well, that's when I have to go back to what I know. And I asked again, I said, well, how is it that you can deal with it if you don't know, if you've never been in that situation before, if you've never seen the people, your, your mentors, or, you know, we can have good mentors and we can have bad mentors growing up, right. you know that. And if you see these people, uh, the negative people out there making bad decisions, are you going to do the same thing? Surprisingly, right. they said yes. Wow, really? Surprisingly, yes, they said yes, because that's what they knew. They were listening to the people out on the street telling them what and how to deal with situations. But these same people that were telling them how to deal with it, they dealt with it the same way every time, and they got the same result. Have you ever been in a situation, Denisha, or when you were in high school coming up, have you ever been faced with a, a decision where you just didn't know what to do and you didn't, you didn't really want to talk with your teacher or you, or you want to talk with your peers because you felt that they understood uh, your, your struggle, they understood the situation that you were in? How did you deal with that? Well, I, I had a very uh, real, real, not that to say anyone else's situation wasn't real, but just something that a young person just shouldn't have to go through, and that was 
um, at a very young age, my mom was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and we weren't sure how long she'd be around. Wow. Um, and somewhere later on in high school, uh, she she made it through. She was diagnosed when I was seven, and she made it through. And then uh, somewhere later on in high school, she started to become ill again, and then also in college. Um, and there was just things that my friends, obviously, they were not dealing with. And it's hard to talk to my mom about it because she was, you know, enduring her own struggles at that point. Right, right. But at the same time, being so young and really not having anyone to look to for that because she was fairly young herself, there was no one to really turn to. And um, I guess that's when you really do have to hold on to your beliefs and your faith. And at that point I had, I guess it was a, a test of who I really am. Right. You know, th- that's where that foundation becomes really important, and whatever is in your foundation will show up when troubles show up. Right. Wow. So that's powerful. The, the the belief is is um, I I think it's a great topic. I wanted to say that because I think what you believe dictates the course of your life. Wow. Can I can I steal that for when I go and speak? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you know it, it, it's interesting that you said faith. Because I, I I was reading something and I wrote it down and it and it stood out to me at first I didn't understand it but the more I thought about it and the more that I read faith has a lot to do with what we believe. Yes. And what I and what I wrote down was faith is often the child of fear. Mm. I'm gonna, I'll say it again. Faith wow. is the is often the child of fear. That's powerful. Yes, and what I got from that was at the beginning of every act of faith, there is often a seed of fear. You know, some people, you hear people say, I want to be this, but I I want to do these things, but. Okay, what are the things that you want to do? What are these things? Well, it's something that's pulling at me. It's something that's keeping me awake at night, and I know it's something that I want to do, but. Well, where is this but coming from? I know that but is is really the meaning of doubt. It's an excuse to not do and pursue your dreams and your goals. I know that. So was there any a time, was there ever a time, Denisha, that you had to deal with fear and you had to stare it right in the face and say, you know what, I have to have courage, I have to do this. Because if I don't, I'll never know if I'll ever get this opportunity again. Again, Greg, I don't know how deep you want to go on this conference, on, the, on this radio <laughs> show tonight. I really don't know how deep you really want to go because I, you know, you talk about fears. Um, you know, you know a little bit about my story, so yes. you know that I'm a single mother. And, you know, when I found myself being an adult, pregnant, and single, that was my greatest fear coming into view. Like one of my greatest fears was being and repeating the same cycle that my family has done. Right. Single mother, single mother, single mother, strong, you know, intelligent, God-fearing, great women, but single mothers. Right. And that was my biggest fear. And I really had to stare it in the face because I'm an adult. I had options. The world gives you options when you have fears. You can either choose to run 
and my my choices for running were the obvious choices when you're pregnant. I mean, you know, there were options out there available to me, or I could actually stand on what I really believed. And what I really believed was that some of those options were never options for me. Wow. However, when I found myself in the situation, they were definitely the, the option of abortion. That option was contemplated because I knew that I could have my life back the way I wanted it, at least in my mind. I could go back and just pretend like nothing had ever happened if I just made that choice. But I realized that that was just fear speaking. And, and honestly, if I, if I can speak candidly, yeah. my... God showed up in every aspect, and in every aspect he showed up and he directed me down the course that he wanted me to take um, and, and loved me through it. And so it, when I had the courage to say, despite what everyone else is telling me to do, including the Father, I'm going to choose God. Yeah. And I, God is what got me over the fear because the fear was still there. The fear was the strongest fear I have ever experienced because my life was about to change and I had not in any way prepared myself for such a change. But I just looked at God and said, okay, you said you have me. You said you're going to get me through and I'm going to trust you. And he did. He, I, I, he promised me that my child wouldn't want for anything. And I tell you, every step of the way he has showed up, um, I mean, people have just blessed me with regards to my son. So, uh, but but that fear was very real, and it was almost debilitating. But obviously, in the pregnancy, you don't have much time to waste. So I had right, to make right. some decisions pretty rapidly. But that was probably the most serious, fearful situation that I have been in, where I had to make some decisions that did not allow me to sit on the fence. Right. Well. You said you said that becoming pregnant, you know, as a teenager, you said that was the thing you feared the most. Yes. Okay. Yes. You, and I wasn't a teen, but but yes, being just having a child out of wedlock was one of my greatest fears because I didn't want to carry on that. The, I mean, my mom was a single mom. I just didn't want to care. I mean, she was married to my dad, but ended up a single mother. Right. And I didn't want to carry that on. I, I wanted a, a two parent family home for my child and so that was a huge fear for me okay when, whenever you were, were whenever you had a boyfriend or whenever you were dating was that something that was constantly in the back of your mind well was that something that was in the forefront of your mind uh, I don't want to get pregnant I don't want to I don't want this to happen to me just like you said that happened to someone else in your family was that something that you focused on a lot um, absolutely the, the, the good thing about it me focusing on it at the time was that when I was younger, it kept me out of trouble. Like it kept, but I had a boyfriend, it just wasn't an option. You know, sex just was not an option because it was such a huge fear right. that it, became, it was just like that we cannot, we will not go there. Um, however, once I reached adulthood, I mean, the restrictions that I had in childhood were just not there, and then it becomes a personal choice. And so at the point when I made the personal choice to become sexually active, the fear was still there, but I think I got into a mindset that it wouldn't happen to me. And so I, I put it in the background, and actually that's when it happened, probably because I had fed it so much energy for so long right, right. that the first opportunity presented itself, and it, I mean, 
I am where I am now. <laughs> right. So you you said you, it, it said it was energy there. Is it safe? Well, do you do you agree with this this comment? The things we focus on the longest becomes the strongest. Yes. Yes. Because that's what you're giving your power to. Whatever you whatever has your mind, that's what you're giving your power to. You know, if everything if everything that you think about is negative, then your life is more than likely filled with a lot of negativity. Most people that are happy all the time or that we perceive to be just full of joy all the time, it's probably because they are always focusing and their mind tends to lock in and key in on the positive of life. Even if even in a negative negative situation, they probably focus on the positive and so they tend to bring more of that to them which in turn, they expel more of that from themselves. So I told, I completely agree with that statement. Okay. So, so if if we're if our focus is on being happy, if we focus on being happy all the time, do you think we will become happy? I I, I don't think that it's simply focus. I think that it's it's more so focus and action. I think what you focus on and what you move toward is in what you believe. I think less, not just focus, but also the underlying belief because someone who is in a negative mindset can say, well, I always think about how I want to be happy. I always, every day I think about how I want joy and how I want goodness and how I want to be happy and how I want my life to be. But really the undertone of that thought is I don't deserve it. I cannot have it. So it's more so not just what your mind is focused on, but what you believe, what your true surface beliefs are is really, look at your life. Your life is a mirror image of what your real beliefs are about yourself, and they just manifest. You know, I made a statement in the meeting yesterday or the conference with the, the guys at the county jail, and I said the life that you're living is the life that you created in your mind. Mm-hmm. And the guys looked at me and they said, well, I... I that's not true. I said, well, what do you believe? And then things just started coming to them, and they, they at the end, they, they totally agreed with, with, the, with my statement. And they said, but you know what? This is, this is what I thought. This is how I thought my life should be. And, you know, I, I've been around negative people all my life, so I don't have a choice but to be negative. So I said, well, what, how would you change that when you get out of here? What what will you do? And the guys went on to say, well, you know, I'm going to have to find some people that are negative, I mean positive, that I can be around. And that's so, you know, it, it's so true that the people we are around, you know, our environment, basically that's our environment, we tend to adapt to that. Do you agree? Yes, yes. It, it's It's impossible apart from God. Obviously with God all things are possible, but apart from God, it's impossible to be in an environment and not be affected by that environment. Yeah. Um, now, there are obviously varying degrees of the of the environment's effect depending on the person and their core, but I, it's impossible for people not to be affected. That's, that very premise is how we come up with cultures. Yes, yes. And, you know, and to and think about our youth today, the kids that are in – elementary school, they're going through things that we never went through. And to think about the high school kids, you know, you you host a show with a conference call with uh, 
our co-host Terry Brock, you guys deal with kids. I think every Friday night you talk with kids around 930 from all different states, and you guys deal with issues. What are some of the issues? What are some of the things that kids are faced with, and how are you guys telling them, okay, this is how you deal with it. This is a solution of how you can deal with the, the problem. Oh, so many issues. I mean, things that were never an issue when, when, I mean, very few kids had the issue, and now it's becoming the mainstream, you know, from from their belief in, their belief in God to their decision to be sexually active to the homework, the schooling, the actual education itself, to relationships with their peers, relationships with the opposite sex. There are so many issues that they're facing and that the times that they're growing up in with the hip-hop culture, um, which has had an enormous influence on this yes. generation, yes. that influence that that they're getting, they, they, they think they're not impacted by it. Some of them say, well, it's just the beat I like. But I tell them all the time, no, really, the more you think it's the you think it's the music, but the fact that eventually you learn those words and you're speaking them and you're giving yeah. more and more energy to that, you're creating in your own mind a thought pattern that says this is okay because I like the beat. You're associating something positive, i.e. the music, with something that's very negative and thus the message itself doesn't seem as bad. Wow. You buy into it. Wow. If you're just joining in with us, this is the Abundant Solutions Hour where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. And I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I have on the line with us as our, our, a mighty, a mighty woman of God, Denisha Jackson. And I think our co-host just signed in. Terry, are you there? Yes, Greg. Um, Hi, I just wanted to let you know. Hi. Um, we're under a severe weather uh, here, and I may need to jump off a little later. You may can hear the, the sirens going off for an approaching tornado. So if... If you don't hear from me, that's going to be the reason why. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, if we, the listeners, if you're listening in and you want to call in, if you have any questions or comments, the call-in number is 718-508-9600. Kids, if you're listening in, please call us. Again, the number is 718-508-9600. We're open to any questions that you may have or any comments that you uh, would like to share with us. Uh, Terry, I want to ask you a question because – you're, you're the CEO and the president of Power Behind the Dream. Well, tell us about that. Tell us, tell us what is uh, the Power Behind the Dream. Well, it all started from when I was a, a little girl. I just had this this ability to see the fact that the adults around me and even the children around me they weren't pursuing their dreams. They were just settling for whatever their current life situation was, and that frustrated me even at an early age. And as I got older, I just I had to do something about it. So I organized this organization that encourages and inspires and just helps the kids and also adults as well to pursue their dreams no matter what, and I give them tips and, and just guide them along their path. And it's just a, an organization that encourages that process. Okay, okay, that's good, that's wonderful. So that's something that you believe in. T today's yeah. topic is what do you believe? So obviously you believe that you can have an impact on these children and you have you can have an impact as far as 
them making quality choices and decisions on on their life and to let them know that what they're doing, they can even have a better life if if they follow their dream. Yes, you can always be better. Okay. You can always improve. Good. I have a question. You know, feel free to jump in and answer it. In what ways do you think our desperation fuels our faith? Wow. That's a, a, a very loaded question. Our desperation, in what ways does our desperation fuel our, our faith? faith? Yes. Wow. Um I'm tempted to to say that desperation can fuel it either negatively or positively and that it can increase it if your foundation is strongly rooted in God, then I guess perhaps there wouldn't be much desperation. Yes. Yes. Excuse me, if that's not the case, then if you become desperate, because faith, we tend to think of faith as as simply, we, we equate faith with, God, and we equate faith with believing in positive things, but faith really is whatever you put your hope and trust in. Yes, that's true. So if you're desperate and your your desperation brings to mind someone who has an imminent need and they have, they need an imminent solution and they're starting to panic, if your foundation is negative, then more than likely the solution that you're going to go for, what you're going to put your faith in, is going to be negative, which will in turn probably bring about negative results. It's the person who is panicking about life and they put their faith in drugs. Right. Or the person who is panicking about something, a relationship, and they put their faith in a bottle of pills. You know, I, I, think, it, I think it depends on the, who you are at your core as to what happens when you find yourself in a desperate situation, whether or not you can actually take the time to have, put your faith in something positive. And my, I would choose to put my faith in God. Right. But if you can put your faith in God or in something positive, if you can actually muster up the courage to do so, even in the midst of desperation, you'll find yourself probably in a much better situation and not in so much desperation. Yes. That makes sense. Yes, it does. So what you're saying is there, there is such a thing as negative faith, of, of a person having negative faith. Yes. Yes, yes. And I think, I think a lot of times that has to do with uh, when we're dealing with uh, our youth believing and doing negative things, and they believe that that negative thing that they're doing will actually happen. Let's say you have uh, gangs that they're starting to come back up now. We're starting to have more gangs, and these guys actually believe, and girls now, they actually believe that within the negative realm that they're in, they actually believe in what they're doing, and it's negative. So their faith in that is very strong, and it's kind of hard to break that. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. Terry, how, what would you say to, you know, the kids on the call, if they call you and say, well, you know, Terry, I, I was asked to be in this club, and I, I, I think your question to them would be, is it what you're doing, is it positive or is it negative? And does this, in you being in this club, how would God get his glory? I'm sure you would ask those questions. Am I right? 
That's correct. I would also like to address that too. I believe it goes by like the topic is today, what you believe and what your choices are, what you believe your choices to be. And desperation can, it can be, like Denisha said, it can be channeled into a positive way and a negative way. It can be fueled by your fear or your faith, I believe. And according to the, what you choose to believe, that's the route that you choose to go. And as far as the, the gangs are concerned, it, it all goes back to, that child's foundation, what they believe, what they were brought up to believe, what they were taught about themselves and about their environment, and how they choose to react to that. Because you have so many examples of youth coming out of desperate situations, desperate living conditions, and they excel. They, they are so successful. And then you have the flip side of that where you have youth that have chosen to embrace or they, they went the route of, of embracing the fear part of that and they, they latch on to becoming uh, a gang member or they choose to sell drugs or uh, prostituting themselves on the street or whatever they feel they, they can do to be successful and get out of their situation according to what they believe. And I, I just think it goes back to what you said, what the topic of this discussion is about, which is belief. What you believe is what you will become. And I don't know if you've already discussed this. It just brings to mind, again, that uh, we talked about a friend of yours named Walter and just his, yes, he, what he believed, what he was told, he, that was ingrained in him. He eventually became that. And it's all about what you believe and what you allow your mind to embrace. Yes, that's so true. You know, it, it takes me back. I, I remember my mom reading stories and Jesus performing miracles and healing people. And it was one question that he would always ask them. He would ask them, do you believe that you could be healed? And then he said, according to your faith be it unto you. So that has a lot to do you know, that, that just tells us that it has a lot to do with what and how we believe. So, and I've heard, you know, Denisha, I've heard you talk about the foundation, and Terry, you said the same thing about a foundation. Is our foundation, is it what we know? Because some of us have solid foundations and some of us have rocky foundations. So I guess what I'm getting from the both of you is if you have a child in a negative environment, he's going to pull from that from which that that foundation, he's going to pull from that what he knows. Am I right? Most often I believe that is definitely correct. You have unique situations where you have a child who is just uniquely um, able to overcome unimaginable odds. But for the most part, I think, you know, nine times out of ten, 90% uh, will actually become a product of their environment if left in that environment and it's always negative or always positive, they will become a product of that environment. Wow. You know, it, it, I want to talk about um, not so much just the kids. I also want to want to talk about um, women in, in um, you know, going through domestic and all this violence and the women being battered and beat. 
And, you know, you want to ask, why are you staying in this situation? Why do you guys think that a person that's being beat on a daily basis, they can't make any decisions on their own? They can't go anywhere, when, and they're always questioning, and, and, you know, anytime they want to do something, they have to get permission and that type of thing. And, it's, and the, the entire environment is just toxic, and you're, and you're bringing your kids in that. What do you think these women need to do? I know, I know that it has to do with what you believe, but how can they get themselves out of that environment? It really probably starts with getting out of the environment, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that as long as they're in the environment um, that there is no hope, but it, it generally starts with someone being able to take them away from it, even if only momentarily, um, or someone being able to show them proof enough that will rock them at such a core that they will leave. Um, I have a friend who we just could not understand how she was in so many abusive relationships. And it was clearly the men were horrible, but at some point we recognized that she was the one that had the issue because she had boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend, and they all would abuse her. And, in fact, she got one boyfriend who was really good to her, and she broke it off with him after about six months. She couldn't handle a guy that treated her nicely because for some reason her belief was that love was painful. And these guys that would abuse her, somehow that meant love in her mind. And she, I've known her for about 12, 12 to 14 years, and she is just now in the first relationship besides that one that lasted for six months, where we believe it won't turn to abuse. But we're still watching because we're not sure if maybe this guy isn't showing his true colors yet. But every relationship since I've known her, the guy has abused her. And she has stayed and stayed and stayed. Because at one point, the last guy is actually in prison because he was basically saying, if I get out, I'm going to take your life. Wow. So why do you why do you think she's staying there? She stayed for so long because it really was. We found out later on that her her parents would spank her that way. Like if she didn't get regular spank, like if her mom was mad, she would throw her down the stairs. She would throw her up against the wall. So we found out that her again there's that foundation. The people who are supposed who were taught supposed to love you the most, her parents, especially her mother, abused her as well. And so she grew up believing that abuse was love. It, they, it had to be because it's impossible. A child never wants to think that their parent doesn't love them. A child doesn't want to believe that. Right. So she grew up believing that her that love and pain were synonymous and she so every relationship had to reflect pain in order for her to actually participate in it it's very sad but that was really the issue she she on nobody does anything that isn't offering them some type of reward right whatever the reward is we might think oh that's negative and how could that ever be someone's reward but 
you have to buy into it on some level in order to convince yourself to stay. You have to give up enough of yourself that what someone else has given you becomes your value, and thus without them you have no value, so you have to stay. And I think at some point her value became abuse, and so without it she was no one. And all the men gave her her value, so she couldn't leave them because then who would she be? Well, so you obviously, that's an example, that's another example of how powerful the things we believe will, will, you know, have some type of effect on our lives. It's so important. Terry, what do you, do you have anything that you want to add? (laughs) Yes, I just want to share a little bit of uh, my personal experience with that situation. Um, I haven't been in a physically abusive relationship, but I have been in an emotional and a verbally abusive one. Um, I got out just as he was beginning to put his hands on me, and I, that was my wake-up call. Um, it's, it's a total mindset that takes place. It's about, like Denisha said, it's about what the woman is believing, about herself, about the man about her past is it's not one particular thing it's a whole combination of things that take place in my situation um the guy was needy and it was masked behind education and all of these things that he showed the world but when we were alone it was i need you to help me you know no one else understands me the way that you do, you know, no one can love me the way that you do. It's a whole script that goes on, and you end up playing that out, not only with that person that you're with, but if you don't break that mindset up and and get rid of it or change it, like Denisha's friend, you're going to go to the next person, to the next person, to the next person, playing out the same role and the same script, just a different person. And... It's it's all about what you believe about yourself. At that point in my life, I was going through some things, and so I accepted this guy for who I thought he was, and it turned out to be something totally different. But when I discovered that, it was too late because he had drawn me in with, you know, his his game, if you want to call it that. But... At that time in my life, I needed to be needed, and so that's, like they say, never say never, that you'll never do anything. I always said, you know, I don't understand how women can do that, how can they get sucked in. It's easier than you think because it's not always as obvious as you may think. Sometimes it's subtle, and as your tolerance builds up to certain things that they do, it's gradual. It's a gradual process, and when you realize what's going on, you're so deep into it that you're not really sure what is truth anymore. And like I said, um, it's hard to get out, but it's not impossible. It, you have to have a support system. You have to have something positive to go to. Because when you come out of a situation like that, if you don't have something positive to fill that that space, 
then you're going to latch on to another negative situation or another negative person that's going to fill up that void in the same way that the other person did. So what I would tell girls and what I do tell girls, and there, it, there are some cases where boys are in that situation as well. It's rare, but it happens. What I would tell them is, and what I tell them is, focus on yourself. What love is, you need to know what love truly is outside of that person. What do you consider as being love? And sometimes you need to compare that to your world around you or other people's definition of what love is. And if your definition is so out of the ordinary or so much over to the left or the right than what you see around you, then you may need to examine that and see, hey, am I – Am I going to an extreme with this person? You have to find out who you are and what you're going to accept about yourself or not. Find somebody positive that's not there to get something out of you. You know, people can sugarcoat things and sweet talk you, and they're really there to get things from you. You have to find a mentor somebody positive to speak into your life that's just there for that reason, where you can pull from them and they can they can pour into you and build you up. And once you have that foundation of, of what it really is, then it's easier to pull away. The way that I got out is I, I had to look at myself and the situation and just admit to myself that, first that I had made a mistake. That's the hardest thing to admit in in a situation like that is that, okay, I messed up. I'm embarrassed. You know, people around me could see what was going on. They didn't know the full extent of it, but they knew that the relationship wasn't quite right, but I knew. And the first thing you have to do is admit it to yourself that you made a mistake. It's okay but you have to do something to correct that. Don't keep going through the same cycle over and over and over again. The second step I would say is to find help. Silence is what keeps the situation going. Isolation is what keeps the situation going. I was I, He isolated me from my family, convinced me that my family was against the relationship, so they must be bad, or you know, they're negative towards him, so they must not really love me as much as he does. That Those things, those type of things should be red flags that go off in you. Find somebody that's going to be neutral, that's going to help you out of the situation. Don't be afraid to reach out and get help, whether it's with an organization or a, a, a friend that's going to be neutral and not judging, but to help you out of this situation, it is, there is hope. There is a way to break the cycle and get out before it's too late. So, Terry, what you're saying is you got out of the relationship because your belief in what you saw growing up as a child, that your mother and father, you knew that they didn't act like that, so you knew something was wrong. Right. You knew something was wrong. And... Also, I think what both of you are saying is 
children pay close attention to the to their mother and father in the homes. They pay close attention to your to the relationship. If that father is not compassionate and and showing love to that woman in front of him, so the, then the boy, he's gonna if he sees that, if he sees that that the father is loving to that woman, he's pretty pretty. I mean, he's gonna do the same thing to his woman. Yes. You know, he's gonna do. That's what he knows. That's what he sees. So that foundation is being built. And he when he sees that his father is loving his mother and the mother is loving the father back, and they're doing these things all the time, not just on the you know the, the mother's birthday or Mother's Day and Father's Day and Christmas and Valentine's Day, you know they need to see that all the time. Right. You know, and and it's so easy for for husband and wives to get caught up in trying to you know take care of the family and they're dealing with so many different things that sometimes they lose that they lose focus of what's really important and that's that's that husband and wife relationship because those children are paying close attention. So when the husband and wife drift apart, that child is going to, you know, when he grow up, he's going to pull from that foundation from the memories that he had of that. So, you know, you have so many kids, you know, you have so many uh, little girls that, you know, just like you said, they, you ask them, you ask them their meaning of love, it'll just blow you out of the water sometimes. You know, I'm sure they will say things that will just blow you out of the water because I heard a girl say, if that man don't beat you, he don't love you. Right. And that's what she believed. Right. So that to them, that's that's the foundation that they have. So basically that's what they know. Greg, if I could just could just um, interject for a second. Sure, I, I want sure. to touch on two things. One, um, Terry made a huge point when she said, compare what your definition of love is to a few other people, and if yours is way off base, mm-hmm. and you should you, you might want to consider getting some help because the friend that I was speaking about earlier, her his the guy who was abusing her. His friends came in one point when it got really, really bad. He had her pinned to the bed, his knees on her chest, his arm on her throat. And they said, man, you're hurting her. Get off her. He said, there's no blood. I'm not hurting her. I'm not abusing her. You don't see blood. And his friends are there. So the mindset of both the abuser and the person being abused in such a situation is can at some time be so far gone that they literally will speak those things as though they're true. Like in the early stages, they, they cover, they cover. You know, they don't necessarily put it out there. But when it's that far gone, there was no more hiding it. Even in front of friends, he had no problem saying, there's no blood, she's okay. Right. right? Right. And she was a small girl, and he was, you know, a regular guy with his knees in her chest and his elbow on her throat. Right. Um, but the other point I wanted to make real quick is that the, it really is important for parents to be aware. It really is important. I grew up in a home where I saw abuse. My mother and my father fought. Now, People would tend to say, obviously, my father would be the one who was being abusive, but my mother, they fought. 
she didn't provoke anything, but she also wouldn't just sit back and become the abused victim. Right. They fought back and forth. Um, now, what's interesting is that children will tend to go to the extreme on of, of, of either abuse is okay or abuse is never okay. And it's strange to me that my sister and I both play those out so well. For me, abuse is not an option. My thing is always, you might hit me once, but I guarantee you, you won't hit me again. Because the right. first one, I didn't see coming. Right. That won't happen again. With my sister, she found herself in an abusive relationship, has two kids by the guy, and is just, I mean, at some point, of the light of her, the light that used to be her is no longer lit by God. It, she turned her light over to him, and now he gives her her light. And we're just starting to see a glimmer of hope come back, but now they have two children together. But he became so abusive that we literally, we didn't know who she was. And she didn't want to get out. But the abuse somehow growing up in it, and my mom left when, when I was six and I think my sister was eight. Um, she left my dad because of it, but the effect had already taken place that it created both of us to have extreme views mm -hmm. of, of, of abuse and relationships. Um, where for her, somehow it became, it became okay. And it's just... I think parents really, really need to be aware, and they need to to know that it's not just the the mother or the father that they're hurting, that they are really impacting the children, and that you know the term "what you reap, what you sow" may not always be directly applied to the person who is doing the sowing. Wow! And they got to be careful of what they're leaving and putting on their children. Yes, that's true. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. And today's topic is, what do you believe? I think we have a wonderful surprise on the other call, on the line with us. Minister Sonia Brown, how are you? Doing good. <laughs> You've been listening to the show. you have anything that you would like to say? Well, let me say this. Now, you're talking about a mighty woman of God. This is my friend, Minister Sonia Brown. And Sonia and I, we go way back. I mean, we go way back. And we've been talking this week about what do you believe, and we've been talking about faith, and we've been talking about fear. And Sonia just, just held a conference in Macon, Georgia, I believe. Am I right, Sonia? That's correct. Yes. Would you, you want to share some of the things that, that you shared with the other women in the conference? Well, the um, topic was um, he made the best. And, um, wow. That just ties right in to what we're talking about. <laughs> just allowing women um, to know that they are mighty women of God, that God made the best. They don't have to settle for anything less or any type of abuse. Or they got to know their worth. The main thing that we want to um, impact in this conference, one-day conference, was to let them know their worth. Because when you know who you are and you you know the value on your life, you set the pace for how people treat you and how they respect you. Right, right. That's that's powerful. Sonny, let me ask you this. What kind of things do you fear in life? Repeat that. What kinds of things do you fear in life? 
I think the thing that I fear most is is failure. I think that's the top on everybody's list, I believe. <laughs> you want you want to um, explain what, what you mean by that? Well, sometimes I guess fear holds you back from doing certain things. You just, I guess, you don't just don't want to have that concept of being a failure at it. Right. So I guess it's just fear that grips you to, you know, not allow you to move further or do more or be more. Right. Just fear of failing, but you never know what you can accomplish unless you step out and you do it. And you never, you'll be surprised what's in you once you, you know, make a move to step out and do the things that's in your heart to do. But I think just having that fear of being a failure or maybe have had people speak certain things in your life or have, a, you know, not can trust your own judgment because of negative things that have been said to you or about you. And just a feel of failure, feeling like you will fail at, you know, what you got in your heart to do. Yes, I, I, I tell you what, that fear, it is something. So, you know, I think what we really need to do, and the Bible says we need to put on the whole armor of God. And I think what they're saying is we need to prepare because the enemy is coming at every angle that he can to get in. And what he tried to do is he tried to put that fear in us to stop us from planting the seed that God has given us to plant and to share with the world. Having said that, with the children that are coming up now, they're being faced with sex. That's all they see on television. I mean, you can turn to any show on television, and I guarantee you within three minutes, something sexual will be said. It will go to something sexual, and it's so sad. That these kids have to have to deal with that, and that's all they deal. That, I mean, you know, that's just what they're facing. And how can you tell a kid now uh, to remain a virgin when everybody is picking at them and they're coming at them and they're seeing this stuff on television? And Denisha, you said earlier, the kids are listening to these songs and they're and they're singing these songs, but they're saying, "Oh, I love the beat." But then again, these songs are saying, you know. We want to take you to the hotel. We want to do this. We want to do that. And the girls are actually singing that. Sing, you know, they're singing the song. And you know, the Bible says you need, really need to be careful with what you say because life and death is in your tongue. And these kids are actually doing these things. Now they find themselves in a position where they have to make a quality choice. Now they have to pull from the foundation of what they know. What do they do? What do they believe? Do they believe that? I want to do this. This is going to make me an adult. This is something that I want to do. I've seen it on television. All my friends are doing it. And not just sex, with drugs, just crazy, crazy decisions and things that they're faced with on a daily basis. Denisha, what would you tell the girls out there now, you know, comparing when you were coming up to, you know, the things that you're seeing right now, how and what would you tell the kids when faced with, the, the peer pressures of the world? Well, first I would say I would be honest with them, and they're faced with a very challenging time because when I was growing up, sex, drugs, that those were things that other people did. Good girls don't. That was the thing back then. Good girls don't. And even though there were plenty of good girls that probably were doing it, they the, the belief back then was that, Sex was still something that was not mainstream. And today, 
there's something people are surprised if you're a virgin. And back then it was you were a virgin. But that was the expectation. And now it's a surprise. And so it is a very tough time for our young people because sex is everywhere and I would be I would just be really honest with them and say, Know your value. Let's find your value. And I wouldn't be so quick to preach and say, Be a virgin, don't, don't, don't but I would go deeper and, and get them at the core, which will determine the decisions that they make by saying, you are worth your own decisions. The decisions you make dictate what you believe about yourself. And if you believe that in order to be a woman, in order to be a man, in order to have love, that you have to give away something, your definition is wrong and Okay, go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened, but we need to figure out a way to get you on the right path because you're worth it. That's one thing I would want both boys, girls, women, men to know you are worth the best. You are worth exactly what God has for you, and he has nothing less than the best for you, and you are worth it, and you have to show up in every relationship, in every situation, believing that and expecting that other people will treat you with nothing less than what you deserve, which is the best. Wow. That's probably what I would tell them. I have one last question. We have about five minutes left, and I want the three of you to please answer it. If you were a child sitting in God's lap, what hurt would you tell him about? If you were a child sitting in God's lap, what hurt would you tell him about? Terry? Is Terry there? Did we lose her? I'm here. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm, I have to watch the weather and stuff okay. to see what's going on. I'm sorry, did I miss a question that yes, you asked yes. me? If, if you were a child sitting in God's lap, what hurts would you tell him about? Personal or just about the world? Just, or just, just hurts, just period, anything. What oh, wow. <clears throat> um, I guess the biggest thing that, that stays on my heart and what keeps me up nights or, or makes me get up in the middle of the night is just, the the many things, the, the challenges and the hurts that the kids go through. I mean, I know as adults we go through so much, but uh, I heard what Denisha was saying about just being challenged by the things that's going on in, in this time. It's so different from when we were growing up, and I don't want to sound like I'm 80 or anything, but mm-hmm. it is so much different than what we had growing up. And I would just get up there and and talk about the situations as far as sex and and the hurt that the drugs is causing and just ask him why, you know, I'm sorry, I can't even put it into words. Just ask him why there's so much hurt and so much pain in the youth because of 
them being raped or molested. I see it in so many of the kids that I personally know. They are facing things not just as teenagers. It's not a teenage phase like some of the adults want to believe. It starts two, three, four years old from when they are, are much younger. They're dealing with adult situations at an earlier age than we did. They're being tempted with so many different things, drugs on the street, going to school. Some of them have to pass so many drug dealers or uh women, you know, trying to lure them into, you know, prostituting themselves on the on the street or you name it, they've seen it. Things that would make your hair turn white. And so many things that you can't even wrap your brain around because you don't either you don't want to think about them dealing with something so serious or you don't want to believe that something like that is possible to be in their life. Right. And we're turning a deaf ear to their cry for help. Too many of us are doing that. And we need to step up and start listening to them. It's coming out in different ways. It's coming out in gangs. It's coming out in the increase in, in crime and violence on the street. It's coming out in our homes. And it's, it's like Denisha said earlier. Parents have to be aware of what's going on with their kids. Don't just ask them, oh, how was school today? And if they say fine, leave it at that. They've dealt with some situations at school that I'm sure you have no idea of what they had to deal with that day. And they're not just going to come out. Most kids are not going to come out and just pour their heart out about what, what they're facing. You have to have a close enough relationship with them where they feel, okay, if I'm, if I'm struggling with this or if I don't understand this or if I'm hurting, I can go to mom or dad or Uncle Bob or Aunt Susie and bring what I'm dealing with to them. And if, if I don't understand it, maybe they will understand it. Or, you know, they have to be able to feel comfortable to do that. Yeah, yeah. Sonia, if you were a child sitting in God's lap, what hurts would you tell him about I think I'll, um, sweat. I have a real burden for family. It seems like um, just families are not staying together like they used to. Um, it seems like the father's not taking his rightful place in the home, which leads the mother to carry a role that she's not equipped to carry, and therefore have the kids go, you know, in a lot of different ways. So I think um, I would ask God, what's the matter with family? You know, because um, I heard a preacher say, if you build the family, you build a church. So I feel like a lot of families are hurting, and a lot of adults are going through a lot of things within themselves because of childhood things that they haven't dealt with or things that they have suppressed. And therefore, when they don't know how to deal with certain things they're going through within themselves, then you have the kids having to deal with what you're going through and then the issues they have of themselves. So it's just a lot of the family family breakdown. A lot of the men are not in their rightful place, taking their rightful role, even in the house of God. So I just have a burden for family. And then once you get the head together and everybody get in their rightful place, then you will have the kids to come in line and 
have the kids to not saying that, you know, kids don't go astray and do certain things even in the best homes, but you have a better grip on it when everybody is functioning in their proper place because the word has, says that, you know, the man should be the head. So even God knows that it should be a certain protocol in, in your household that things can flow smoothly. So I just see a lot of abuse, just a lot of abuse, a lot of spouse killing spouse, a lot of abuse with the children. So I just will ask God about what's the matter with the household, you know, once everybody take their proper place. Right, right. Denisha? Um, quickly, I know we're running out of time. I would actually touch on love and fear. I would actually ask God the deepest question about love, and that is why when he offers it in such abundance is there such a lack throughout the world and why I believe that love and the lack of thereof or the perception that you don't have it fuels people to do some of the most heinous and most amazing things in life. And so I would ask him, why don't we understand love? Why why wasn't that just dropped in us in such a way that we would walk around every day feeling it and feeling full of it from him? I would really want to know that because I think that that, again, just sends people in so many different directions searching for it because they don't, they don't feel it even from themselves. Um, I think mostly from themselves, actually. And then I would ask them about fear because I think so many times people live and act and believe and based on fear. And so uh, that would be to, to throw and, and encompass everything, even my own personal hurts and pains, I would sit on his lap and actually ask for information about fear and, and love. Okay. Well, we're out of time now, and I'd like to thank all of our, our co-hosts and Minister Sonia Brown and Denisha. You guys were wonderful, and today's show was just as exciting as I thought it would be. And I'm sure our listeners out there, I'm sure they – that everybody was writing things down. They was jotting things down. I have a pen here. I've probably written about three pages. I've taken a lot of notes, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to share this information with the guys and, and anybody that I come in contact with. And I hope, and I hope and pray that everybody out there that's listening, you know, just like Minister Brown said, you have to know your worth. Denisha said you have to know your value. And Terry says you have to have a solid foundation. And if we get those three things, I think we're doing great. Again, that's it. That's our show. We'll see you guys next Friday at 730, where we're, our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. Good night.